Critically Chaotic is a rowdy Dungeons & Dragons podcast that consists of adult themes and humor. Content warnings for this episode can be found in the episode description as well as a link to transcripts. Because of some real-life circumstances, Sayla will be missing for a few sessions, and thus Leaf will be off on a solo adventure for several episodes. Due to real-life obligations, Queen could not make it to the session, and so Mogan will be absent from this episode. Rest, weary traveler, and enjoy. In the last episode, our team finally got the chance to get some much-needed R&R. They and Valen spent the morning nerding out together, while Snow and Mitra explored some of the temples around town. Jerome and Carius had a bit more bonding time between them up on the roof, during which Carius agreed to teach Jerome how to sew. After an awkward and uncomfortable interaction with Vey, Carius also sat Jerome down with some concerns. Now the party continues their little mini-vacation. read through a good chunk of the journal and you've gotten some history on the dwarf father. I feel like uh, the whole time that she was reading, she was like kind of casually pointing out little details to Mitra as well and explaining certain things that she knows a little bit more about as well as also seeing if Mitra had any information to add the whole time. Um, but when she finishes and gets the majority and is also kind of realizing, like, all right, it's like, you know, it's it's getting kind of late later in the day. They've been at this for a few hours. Uh, she goes to find the dwarven lady to give back the journal. All right. Uh, it's very easy to find. Um, she hasn't left the premises. She's just been going around speaking to some people that enter and uh, so on. And so she turns to you when you approach with the journal and she says, Oh, hello again. I hope that you found uh, some interesting information uh, going through there. Oh, yes, it was it was very interesting. Thank you so much for letting me read and for letting me stay so long in your in your beautiful temple. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming and taking in an interest in Moradin. Um, I, w- I was wondering, do you, do you happen to know of any temples of Timora or anyone who may know of them? Of Timora? Oh, yes, yes, the goddess of good fortune. Um, yes, I, I believe that there is a temple here in town. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be in this district, unfortunately. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, her temples are commonly found uh more more towards more towards the the southern gate um in the in the gambling district is typically where you can find temples for her all right uh thank you thank you so much for the information i i was hoping to pay uh, a quick visit to those temples so that that helps greatly thank you so much of course of course have have a wonderful day dearie Um, and Mitra and I kind of leave the temple, and as they get outside, she looks down at her and goes, um, well, are you up for a little side trip before we head back? 
Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, is, is there a reason why you're going around to the different temples? Oh, I, uh, I, I have a bit of an interest in learning about all different deities. I do have a, a specific reason to go to the Temple of Timora. I just, I wish to pay my respects and show some gratitude. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. I've never been to a Temple of Timora, so this will be fun. Awesome. Um, can I do a quick religion check to, like, see if I would know what sort of offerings typically Timora would, would want? Yeah, go for it. Awesome. Let's see what I get, guys. Wow. Wow, that's a nap 20. <laughs> Damn, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, know. You, know ex- you know exactly the the proper offerings um it's typically uh offerings of money um and those that those that are very uh big gamblers and like to flaunt their wealth from it like to donate uh high sums of gold but typically it is a lot more preferred and it's agreed to be a lot more preferred by uh the worship the the intimate worshipers of timora like by clerics and whatnot that uh, she much prefers uh, smaller sums of money to be offered to her because she likes to pay back uh, the amount tenfold later on. And so she prefers copper to gold. Awesome. All right. Uh, so we're going to head to that temple. And when we get there, what does the is the temple like fancy of any sort? Does it look cool? Uh, no, it's actually a pretty... A small temple. It's its own separate building, but it so the the southern gate that you go towards is within the Elm Street district, and it's also you can see a little bit past the southern gate um, into the the small um, like kind of outskirts town outside that is called the Chicken Steps, and um, outside it, it seems to be a much poorer district, despite being adjacent to the the seemingly more rich gambling district um but the temple itself seems to be less gaudy than a lot of the gambling air uh a lot of the buildings and small casinos that are surrounding it and it has a um there is a small statue uh out front that is on a small pedestal and at first, it appears to actually be made out of gold, but upon getting closer, you can see that it's just painted with with uh, like a gold color. Um, and otherwise, it just almost looks like a house that has been refurbished to be a temple versus the the big impressive stone uh, temple that you just came from for Moradin. Okay, um, so you know they've Mitra and Snow have been walking hand in hand this whole time and I'm a, it's a beautiful day out so they're just kind of enjoying the weather um when they get to the temple and they go inside uh snow kind of lets go of Mitra's hand and gives her a look of like I'll just be a second and lets her kind of go and look around and explore on her own while snow walks up to the altar and while she doesn't know Timora that well and doesn't know too much about the typical uh, worship practices, she kind of falls to a more general, you know, v- typical worship that most uh, religions would be fine with. And she kneels in front of the altar and places around, places um, like 10 copper 
where there is clearly offerings, and just very softly under her breath, she just whispers a small thank you before getting up and nodding at some of the other clerics and going back out of the temple with Mitra. Alrighty. When you when you go to get Mitra, you see that she's speaking with one of the clerics and uh, handing over some money for a donation to the temple before she heads out with you. Uh, once they get out of the temple, Snow kind of gives her a little bit of a look with her eyebrow cocked and uh, kind of asks, um, "You were you were giving them money? Were you? Do you support the temple or?" I I try to support really any thing that I come across that I can donate to. I have a lot of the money to spare, and uh, my master taught me that it's a good idea to donate to those that could use the money versus just keeping it all to yourself, you know? Snow smiles, and you can see she melts just a tiny bit, and she kind of pulls Mitra a little bit closer and just goes, "That's, that's really sweet of you. Let's let's head back. I, I'm sure the others are are wondering where we've been. So you both head back, and you arrive uh, back at the uh, inn. You head on into the tavern area, uh, probably right around when uh, the band is finishing up, when Jerome and Carius have been finishing your food. So now all of you are back and are currently not busy with anything. Uh, Snow would walk up to where... I'd assume she sees Vay and Valen first before seeing um, Jerome and Carius as they kind of went off to the side. So she'll she'll go up and go sit with Vay and Valen, but um, kind of gives a wave at Carius and Jerome as she notices them as well. Carius uh, waves back, and then he looks at Snow, and then, like just remembers something and he sends up and says, Oh, and he, he digs out the 20 gold that Valen gave to him like two days ago, now, <laughs> two or three days ago now. And <laughs> quickly gives Jerome five of it. And then goes over to the table and says, I forgot about this. <laughs> oh, honestly, me too. Honestly, so did I. <laughs> I, I messaged, I messaged Kian like 10 minutes ago being like, by the way, you still have some money. <laughs> they would look over to uh Carries as he gives them money and be like, Hey, could you bring Jerome over? Oh, uh, yes, of course. Um and Carries uh does that. He goes over to Jerome and like lets him know to come back over. <laughs> Jerome does so. Um, very noticeably keeping a respectful distance between him and Vey and standing as far away as possible, but still being respectful. It's a very weird sort of balance that he is absolutely not succeeding at. (laughs) Snow kind of leans back with her arm around Mitra and gives a bit of a, oh, what's about to go down here look between Vey and Jerome. Uh, could we have a Vox group meeting up in one of the rooms real quick? Yes. I'm I'm down. I'm down. Snow just kind of gl- glances at Bay for a second first and goes, uh, Vox only, or? Yes. Sorry about that. She nods over to uh, Valen and Mitra, respectively. Neither of them look offended. 
uh, how, how long will this take? Because, like, if, it, if, if it's not going to be, like, too, too long and y'all still have, like, plans for after, like, we do have two rooms and they can, if they want, hang out in the other, if y'all still want to hang. Well, that could be decided by them. Up we go. <laughs> Snow gives uh, Mitra a kiss on the cheek and follows they up. Carries. <laughs> Briefly squeezes Valen's shoulder before. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome gives a shrug and a salute before going up after everyone else. Valen and Mitra look at each other and shrug. (laughs) Cue and credits. Oh my god. Well, um, as soon as we all get in the room, they will, um dig through her bag for a second and bring out the journal or the, yeah, the journal that you had seen her um, writing in earlier. And um, it's, it's the, it seems basically empty except for like the first little bit, um, which she, she opens it and she hands it over to snow and they goes, I, what I wrote in there will essentially explain the basics, I guess, of how I ended up in that mass cultist place, but the other half I will add afterwards. So I'll let the three of you just read that out. Um, I'll go into the other room and wait for you all to finish with that. And with that, Vey just sort of, like, gives a nod and then, like, backs out of the room and closes it behind her, leaving you guys probably all awkwardly sitting there with no fucking idea what's happening. But she goes to the other room to wait. Uh, So Snow picks up the book and kind of with a really confused glance looks over at everyone and goes, all right, well, I guess I'll I'll read this out. Um, Sirik was born in a small town to mortal parents. He lived a relatively quiet life until he was recruited to join the military at 16 years old. He fought for about a year before he was captured by enemy forces. After several months of torture, he managed to use his wits to escape captivity. He ran away, returning to his home village, only to discover that it was destroyed by the war. He vowed to find enough power to end the war and stop this from happening to others. He worked hard to improve his strength and fought many battles on his own. It was on his 21st birthday that he discovered a sword. He used it for a week, managing to slay foes in a single swipe. He determined that the blade had the power to kill even gods, and thus named it Godsbane. He used the sword for many years, gaining notoriety. He ended the war and continued fighting evil until he was acknowledged by the gods themselves. He was granted semi-godhood in the form of being a quasi-deity. He knew that the sword was his source of power, which he did not know was actually the god Mask being forced into this form. For the next century, Sirik had nightmares every night. Words were whispered into his ear while he slumbered, coming from Mask, and they commanded him to do various things. He would steal and lie and gain more power through following the Whisper's orders. The Whispers led him to commit atrocious acts as well, including killing innocents and torching villages or killing kings. He went mad with the Whispers and followed precisely what they told him to do. Eventually, the Whispers told him to break the sword, and upon doing so, Mask was released from his trapped form. Sirik continues his life without the Whispers to guide him. 
He officially has become the god of deception, intrigue, and strife due to the anguish he endures. Upon finishing reading that out, she kind of glances down at the notebook and back up at everyone with not as confused of an expression as I'm sure everyone else is wearing, but still slightly a confused expression. Carius looks so lost. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome is also, like, kind of befuddled, but, like, in in a way that's, like, he doesn't care a ton, but not in a... He cares, but not about the details. Snow gets up and uh, goes to open the door so Vay knows that they've finished reading this out. Uh, and Vay would walk back in. Probably she would grab the journal from Snow's hand, and then she would sit down. <sighs> okay. It's hard for me to read that out. Um, so, I wanted you guys to hear about this story because there are a lot of a good amount of parallel things that are happening to me currently so the small town thing screw that that's that isn't me but um the the part about the god mask being in an object and gaining entrance into Sirik's mind through that object happened to me, but through the form of a golden mask. Um, and the the part about the nightmare has, nightmares happening every night and words being whispered in his ear and being commanded to do things that is also happening to me. It isn't to the point of stealing, lying, killing innocents or killing kings. It isn't to that point. Um, But (laughs) the point of the story is that mask is in my head and it's similar to what happened to Sirik, but on a lesser scale so far. And I'm telling you this now because it's no longer simply just affecting me, since you all had to rescue me from the cultists that follow Mask. Um, And also, the second part of me being kidnapped is, while this is also happening, there were certain moments in which I didn't follow what Mask told me, because, you know, some of the things that he told me to do aren't really that morally sound, um, because I didn't follow some of his directions. Uh, He harmed me from within my own mind, so the following morning, um, after I had spent time at the library relaxing, um, I... As I was leaving to go to Valen's place, um, the mask once again told me to do something, and this time I knew that there was a consequence if I didn't follow what, 
or there was the threat of a consequence to it. I wasn't, I'm not entirely sure if harm would have come to me, but if it's happened once, it could happen again. So I followed a strange path to get to um, where that hideout was. And I was told to go in, but I left that knife as an indication of where I was. And the rest is history. So, that's it. That's what I needed to tell you. How How's everyone's faces looking at this point? <laughs> Snow has, like, a concerned look, especially after saying that it caused you physical pain. But the rest she pretty much knew already, so that wasn't surprising. It's more just like, oh no, what else could happen to you? Carius looks like a cross between, like, like he's just kind of processing in a big way. Like, he looks like he's kind of working through all of the information they just told, told, told them. And he, he looks concerned, too, but also just, like, a little overwhelmed. <laughs> like, Valid. just a little bit, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Valid. Yep. Can I roll performance? Sure. Well, are what what are you performing? Because it might not be performance; it might be deception. Uh, not showing emotions. Okay, then yeah, performance. Yeah. School that expression. Do I do insight against yeah. it or something? Yeah. Yeah, because Vey is trying to see people's reactions. All right. Uh, I got a sixteen. Okay. Okay. Um, I got a 17. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it is, uh, it's a little hard to see through it, but you do manage to see, uh, that Jerome is kind of holding it together, um, and that there's clearly, there's clearly things he doesn't want to be shown on his face, but there is not, he's not just passive about this. There's, there's some emotions under there. So, Lady, describe how, how Jerome's feeling. Jerome has a lot of emotions happening right now. Um, so it can, it's kind of hard to pick any single one out. Uh, there's anger, there's fear, there's confusion, there's just, a whole mess of them that are just kind of flashing by in like mere moments that you catch, but the the most predominant one uh, is surprisingly a little bit of protectiveness. Um, after looking at everybody's faces, uh, they would continue on saying, um, "I." I didn't tell any of you before because first of all, there had been issues that popped up with trust beforehand. Um, And then the second mask that I had went missing and that was exceedingly worrying. Um, But the, the biggest, those were more like underlying reasons. The biggest one was honestly that none of you could do a single thing to help. 
like there could be support but it would truly only get in the way of us working as a group because there would always be there's a possibility of the group feeling like I need to be hovered around because I have mask whispering in my ear and um, and that I would not be I couldn't be trusted because there is a god in my head but it's just something that I've sort of had to accept and it isn't worth worrying about anymore um, at first it definitely was but once again it couldn't be helped in any way unless someone has a way of getting into my mind and expelling a f- the form of a deity from my consciousness which would be great but I'm pretty sure that nobody can do that um, but now with being kidnapped and all that it seems as if it's sort of taken a step back beforehand I was experiencing a little a few drawbacks that weren't that that serious but now they've seemed to go away which is why I'm strangely I seem unaffected by by everything that happened I am but also it's sort of being overshadowed by the fact that it's I'm under less psychological pressure than I was under before it's hard to explain Unless one of you has had a god in your head before, it's it's something that words can't really describe. But anyways, if any of you have any questions that you would like to ask, any clarifications, I'm willing to let you know. If I don't want to answer something, I'll just simply say I don't want to answer it. Um, But yeah, go go ahead. Snow um, takes takes a second to let me finish and just goes... Please just tell us if it causes you pain anymore. I know I especially can help with that, as can Carius in some circumstances, so just don't hide that. But I I trust that you know what you're doing, and from all the research I have done so far, I don't know that there's anything else we can do to help at this point. Definitely. I wasn't... I never had the intention of hiding it once it started to pick away at my physical well-being it was just simply not a good time to let you know i didn't know that being kidnapped was on the menu for that day and i was intending on letting the group know later on in that day once i had time to sort of go to the library like sort of process and everything but that didn't go very well so if anything else does happen that's impacting me in such a negative way i have no issues with letting you all know. Snow just nods, just almost expecting that answer. Carius doesn't say anything. He just, he still looks like he's just kind of processing in a big way. He he almost looks like he doesn't know what to say. Um, or really how to feel, so he's just staying quiet. I feel like at that, Vey would sort of have a understanding look on her head and there's an air of like yeah i have just about as many answers as you do because this is all i know 
and it's literally nothing. Like, she's just, like, <laughs> she's resigned a little bit. She's just, like, this is how it is, and I can't change it because he's already in here, but whatever. Jerome uh, flicks, uh, Jerome's arms are crossed over his chest, uh, and he flicks up a hand in a sort of motion of, like, I've got a question. Um, yeah, uh, do you still have that, uh, mask? Why? I would like to see if it's possible to destroy it, and if that might be something that could help. I've, I've had that thought before, but I also don't know if destroying it would... It seems like, I checked it out afterwards, and it seems as if the effect that caused, that, like, made Mask enter my mind, it seems as if that disappeared as soon as he gained entry. Um, and also, I don't know that if we tried to destroy it, if that would anger Mask enough that he would... He would hurt, I guess, hurt me again. It's it's not entirely something I would want, given the fact that he can injure me from my own head. And I don't know if angering him would cause that to happen again. Perhaps until we can do a bit more research into that idea... We shouldn't, based on uh, the, the mask that was on the door when we found Vey, I had a feeling that touching it would not be a good idea, and I'm going to assume that this would be a similar circumstance, and destroying that mask did not seem to do anything. It also sort of, like, affixed itself to my face, like, grabbed, sort of horrifyingly grabbed onto my head and decided that I didn't want to let go. So I don't know if it has the capabilities of doing that to others as well. And I don't think we should risk you, the rest of you having the same thing happen to you. I have a few, I have a few ideas that based on the fact that I sleep for a shorter amount of time and I don't truly dream as the rest of you do, I might have some, advantages against mask that you guys perhaps would not have when i rest i don't dream i enter a sort of space where i'm still fully myself sort of like lucid dreaming but it's also not in a dream space it's within a space entirely of my own making it's hard to explain since it's something i was sort of it's something inherent for elves but that might give me an edge on Mask that the rest of you may not have had if the same thing happened to you. Okay. So, it's no on destroying a ditch in the Mask. Um, I do keep it at the bottom of my bag, so it's hard for sticky fingers to get at it. So I'm wandering through the streets. So I don't think... That's a risk. That's something. Um, if you want, I can 
I'm not good at sewing, but I am good at making false pockets and uh, hidden pockets, so I could help you with hiding the mask in your bag or on your person in any sort of way, shape, or form, so it's very physically there and sewn into shit so people can't access it and it doesn't do voodoo magic to escape, I don't know. I think if it had the... Unless you have some sort of way to make the pocket magical, in a sense, that it doing voodoo spooky shit to leave my bag, a hidden pocket wouldn't exactly help, but I think that is a good idea for for if somebody tries to take it without me knowing. Do you have anything else you would want to ask? Your face went through a sort of myriad of emotions for a second. It seems like you're having issues processing, so anything I could say to alleviate that, I would love to do. Mm, I still need some time to process some stuff. I'm just trying to think of what could help. Uh, do you... You already got a god that you worship? A deity? Some sort of religion? I know uh, I already I already got my own person that I worship. Uh, Timora. Um, she's great. Having, having two deities or gods or whatever in conflict like that, that sounds like a bad time. And you don't have to answer if that's not the case. Or, like, if you don't feel like it, but... Just a suggestion. If that is the case, don't gotta answer. Uh, maybe visiting, I don't know, some sort of religious center for your deity could help with the boot and the mask out of your head, because... I don't know. Deities don't like it when you... When somebody's stepping on their tiff. I will keep that suggestion in mind. Yeah, I don't know if you got anyone or anything, but just putting that out there. She doesn't seem... This whole time, she... Like, her facial expression hasn't really changed. Like, she... With Carius, it did, because he was sort of, like, still processing, and she had to be like, yeah, I get it. But for the rest, it's sort of just been, like, that sort of, like, official neutral facial expression that's just like, this is the information, do what you want with it. It hasn't been like, she's like, anger focusing on Jerome or like, anything like that. It's just... Listen, I know we've had beef, justifiably, for you. But I don't want you to be hurting or getting hurt when... We can do something about it to help, so. If you need help, I ain't gonna hold it over your head. Or be a jackass about it. Just say something. If, if like, if one of us is up on watch and you're having a bad time in the, in the brain with a nightmare or whatever, I don't know how your chances work, but you can say hey, having a bad time, and we can do the talking thing. I'm always down to chatter. But you don't 
You don't gotta be alone in all this. And thank you for sharing. It is much appreciated to know all of this. I think once Jerome's done, Carius finally, like, looks at Vey and, like, it's not quite as obvious, like, what he's feeling anymore. He's kind of locked up a little bit. And Zan, if you want me to roll for that, I can. Um, but uh, he just kind of looks there for a moment and then he says, I, we don't have to figure this out tonight, obviously. Um, but I have doubts that this mass fellow will remain uh, in uh, hibernation or whatever forever. Um, I obviously we're going to have to do research one way or the other, but I would like to figure out maybe some sort of plan, because if the if he controls you in that way again, some sort of plan for you and for us to figure out what to do to stop you from possibly hurting someone else or from getting hurt by resisting I I don't I, I don't know, I just if we could put that on the agenda to figure some sort of plan out. I think that would be good, at least as a temporary measure, until we figure out a more permanent solution. The best way that that could be accomplished is if I am not privy to those plans. My specialty is planning. And if I know what your reactions will be, then inside my head, Mask will know. And I will... Not going to lie here, I will plan ahead of time to counter the plans that we made for that situation. So, if you if you want to do that, that should not involve my input. Even though it would be invaluable, since I'm the one that's dealing with it, there's no guarantee that I will be allowed to tell you anything that happens to me in the future. So, it's best to keep me out of the loop. Snow kind of looks over at everyone and goes, I, I've been doing a bunch of research uh, throughout this. I know probably as much as Vey is aware of herself at this point, and I will, I'll, I'll keep looking, and, and we can come up with something to do about this, but at least so far, I don't have any answers yet, and I'm not sure we're going to find any in the same methods I've been trying up until now. Carish just sort of nods um, and um, just, he just nods. Alright. Sounds like we've got that more or less 
settled for now. Um, thank you for apprising us of the information. They, it's hard to be vulnerable, and I appreciate you doing so. You're very welcome. Um, seems as if this is sort of drawing to a close. Um, but I also wanted to have a conversation in private with, with Jerome. Jerome kind of balks at that, um, momentarily before, uh, starting himself and nodding a little bit. No, yeah, that, that would probably be for the best at this point. If you, if you, if you're comfortable with that. Don't want to rush you if you're not ready. I did ready. propose it. I know, but like, you know, sometimes you can feel like pressured into doing things if you ain't ready for them just because of like the- I am, I am not the type of person to be pressured into that. Just gonna lay that out there. That's, that's good. Good for you. Alright. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm down to have a conversation. Carius, uh, Looks at Jerome and then looks at Vay and but he does eventually get up and uh slip out as well. After Snow. Definitely as Snow is leaving the room, Vay catches her arm for a second. Um and she looks up at her with sort of like a sly kind of twinkle in her eyes, and she's like If you wanted to go hang out with your new girlfriend tonight. I can bet I can room with Carius, and then she lets go and lets Snow leave. Snow goes bright red, but also <laughs> like gets a look at her eye of like, mm, but that's a good idea though, and then just kind of keeps going and like clearly pondering something. <laughs> go flirt with your girl. I feel like Vay then closes the door with her foot. Once everybody leaves, they... I don't think she ever, like, got up. Um. But she turns back to Jerome, and... She has the same look on her face. Like, she doesn't seem pissed off at all now that they're alone or anything. Nothing is different. Um. (sighs) She takes a bit of a steadying breath, and then says to Jerome, There are... Two things I wanted to clear up between us, since I've noticed recently that um, the issue that has developed between the two of us has started to affect 
the group as a whole, which isn't what I intended it to do. Is that all right with you? Yeah, I don't. I don't want the issues between us to be affecting everybody else. So I'm down to hear what you have to say. Uh, the first thing is that I am not interested in using you at all like an emotional punching bag, as you said beforehand when I was listening to the music. Um, the argument that happened a f- couple of days ago, the original intent was to sort of clear up that some of the decisions that you had made had affected the group and that it's important for me for you to learn from those mistakes but as i kept discussing it ended up turning into something that was more of an attack it wasn't meant to be me unloading my emotions onto you though they were certainly heightened from the fact that there was a god manipulating me from inside my own head um I simply meant that now that we're in a group, we all have to start thinking in a way that reflects that we're in a group, that everything we do affects one another. Not 100% of everything, but a good chunk of what we do can affect the others. Um, And the second thing is... I will let you air out any issues you have once I'm done talking, but I would like to propose that we put an end, not put an end to, but we, instead of letting this issue continuously resurface in a way that constantly has us on edge near one another, we instead decide to have a more professional friendship relationship with one another. Truthfully, I think that our skills work very well together. I am the sort of person that is very good at planning. I think a lot of things through ahead of time, and your skill set works very well it is incredibly efficient when it's applied in a way that they're actually utilized and they're very good for the group when we're all working together in tandem with what you're doing so perhaps it would be best for you and I to lay our issues to rest for the good of the group and everybody's safety because I'm not gonna lie I have a feeling that if we weren't in the middle of an issue it wouldn't have been as easy as it was for me to be 
kidnapped by the mask cultists. Um, and in order for that to not happen in the future, I think it would be, it's important for us to not have this going on constantly. So, in order to avoid any potential issues like this to pop up again, how do you feel about if I have a, if I notice that a decision you're going to make might have a negative effect, such as drinking the potion when we were in the Thistle's hideout, I could clear it beforehand that I think it's a bad idea and I just won't let you do it to reap the consequences of your actions alone. Because I also wasn't thinking in a group spirit in that moment either. I think I should have told you that that won't end well. Um, so does that sound good to you? And I will also try not to draw conclusions about what you're doing with in your own time with the things that seem sketchy, such as like sleeping on the rooftop, talking to people from a criminal un underground. I will try my best not to assume that you're doing something inherently bad that will affect the group in a negative way. I'll just simply let you do that and we'll deal with whatever comes with it, good or bad. And then she sort of like folds her hands in her lap and waits to see what you want to say. Jerome actually takes a moment to process everything they just said um, before uh, starting out, not looking, still looking kind of blank faced, but not aggressively so. More relaxed blank face. Got a lot of, to address here. Um, I'm gonna say these things out of order and just kind of go with them. If you need me to double back or you need to interrupt, feel free. Um, start off with, yes, uh, if you notice me doing some dumb shit that might have an effect on the rest of the party, saying, hey, no bueno, don't fucking do that, you dumb shit, um, would be probably for the best. And very much appreciated. Um, I ain't had people to look out for before this. Uh, I'm, I've been kind of traveling alone for a hot, hot minute. Uh, and so my effect, my actions haven't really affected other people at all. Uh, beyond how they affect me. So I'm definitely kind of unused to the sort of group dynamics uh having to manage risks more effectively. I definitely tend to take bigger risks when I feel like I can afford it. Um, and for a good hot while, I felt like I could afford it because I was the only one that I had to worry about. The only one that I had to worry about. So, uh, yes, uh, pointing out when I'm doing some dumb shit that has an effect on the rest of the party would be appreciated. So that's that's number one. Anything anything to say about that? Nope, they just uh yes, I will let you know if you're doing dumb shit and nods her head. 
All right. Cool. Number two. I respect your skills a hell of a lot. You're a smart lady. You're really good at coming up with plans. And I am super willing to have a professional sort of relationship with you. Uh, on the functional basis of, hey, we don't actively work to stab each other in the back. Um, cause I, you're skilled, I respect you, and I don't, genuinely, I don't want to see you get hurt. Even if it's like, I'm fucking up, I don't want you to be hurt by it, so. If I'm fucking up, say, hey, you're fucking up, and I'll be cool with that, and learn, cause... You know, I'm a dumb shit. I do dumb shit. <laughs> I swear, and I curse, and I don't... I'm not the best at self-reflection, so... I'm trying. I'm trying to learn. Um, and on that vein, I didn't... I didn't think I feel like when you were talking to me, that you were just venting at me emotional stuff, like... It's fine. I didn't take it too personally. Um... I, it was a genuine address of a lot of my issues, uh, which I have many, and uh, I did appreciate you addressing that. Maybe not, hmm, maybe the fashion was bad on both of our parts, but... Uh, Agreed. <laughs> the things did need to be said, um, to be entirely sure. Um, the The... the Earlier with me in the bar, that was... You you went through a really tough fucking time, babe. And uh, that was me trying to be like, hey, I'm here to help. I was told that that is not how you say, hey, I'm here to help. Um, yeah. Oh, so that's what you and Carrie's were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, tr- truthfully, I told this to um, Valen beforehand, but... I'm honestly feeling a little bit better than before it happened, which seems sort of backwards, but it's, it's, it seems as if, um, Mask has sort of taken a step back. I'm not feeling as muddled as I had been before. And when you're in... When you're encountering your worst fears over and over again for the span of hours, the the desensitization that you get from those does extend to real life. So while it they still remain as my biggest fears, it's like, oh, it's not happening right now. So I'm I'm kind of cool. I'm all right. That's good to hear. Um, kind of a kind of a lasting offer. Um, you know, just in case. Uh, maybe not the the emotional beatdown thing. Told yes. that was a bad idea. But like, if you want to talk in a judgment free sort of zone, you, I know you have snow, but like, it can be hard sometimes to talk to people that you're close to and like vent about whatever. Um, so. If you want somebody who will not, how do I phrase this nicely? If you want somebody who won't give a shit in the nicest way possible and won't judge you for a shit, I don't take anything personally. 
and I won't hold anything against you, generally speaking, so. I will keep that in mind. And I will say I appreciate the fact that you worded it in a way that was purely Jerome. Talking to someone that doesn't give a shit. I like that. <laughs> I'm bad at phrasing, but I try. <laughs> See, you didn't... You got straight to the point, and I appreciate that. No, yeah. There's generally not much point in dancing around pretty flower woods yeah. if it can be avoided. So, Pretty I flower you'd... words are sort of my specialty, so you can leave that to me. Yeah, no, that's well, that's you're welcome to them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, regarding the shadiness, I am a shady guy, as you may or may not have noticed, as you have definitely noticed, you've pointed it out. I do shady shit, but I want to assure you. The shady shit that I do end up doing is not done with negative intentions towards the party. Towards everyone here. I I don't want to see any of y'all get hurt. Especially if it's because of something that I've done. So if I'm doing something shady and you want to ask about it, feel free. But I'm doing it Hopefully to help us. Because I got... Man, I've lived a shady life for a hot, hot minute. And it it ain't no picnic, but... It's helped me get by through life and... Survive. <laughs> to, in a manner of speaking. Uh, so I'm very, very familiar with how shady shit goes. Uh, and know how to generally stay safe as far as shady dealings go because sometimes it's hard to get information without breaking a few laws you know or doing the right thing without going against the word of the law i am starting to understand that i did not know that i'd say even two days ago i had no idea that you we're good at that sort of thing since we spent most of our time out in the wilderness exploring but I've seen you gut a couple people like pigs so um yeah I'm getting it no yeah uh it's not it's a it's a it's a skill it's not one I'm proud of but it's a skill that I've hey whatever acquired. you need to do I now that I know I don't judge. I judge before since I didn't know, but now that I know, I don't. Well, that's appreciated. Appreciate the lack of judgment. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, God, what what else all did you say? You, you said a lot of stuff. I'm bad at keeping track. Um, we got the we got the feelings, we got the relationships, we got the... Solution. Solutions. We can leave it at that, and if you think of something later on, you could bring it up. It's not like this is... That would sort of be in the spirit of it becoming a more accepted thing instead of a more 
rare occurrence. Like we need to let things boil over for them to, for us to have these discussions. You could let it sit for an hour, then even in just a moment that would be regular, you could approach again and talk. Right, right. I feel like at that point, Vey holds out her hand and just says, professional relationship in a handshaking motion, like, uh, movement. Jerome, uh, nods, spits in his hand, and grabs <laughs> Vey's hand. Professional relationship. Oh, this feels like the first time we met. Oh. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nasty fella. Feel free to wipe your hand off. I won't take it personally. I did it the first time, so I feel like that's in the spirit of continuing. <laughs> <laughs> Critically Chaotic is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast brought to you by the following people. The DM is Zan, who can be found as at Zandir on all platforms. They is played by Alex, who simply cannot be found. Snow is played by Bean, aka Alexa, who can be found in a variety of ways, but mainly at Alexandra underscore Jaden on Twitter. Carius is played by Kian, who can be found as at LostFanboy on most platforms. Jerome is played by Lady, who writes, quote, and that's all you get, you dirty gremlins. Mogan is played by Queen, who chooses not to be located at this time, or ever. Leaf is played by Sayla, also known as Strawberry Online, who can be found as at underscore Strawberry Milk on Twitter. The theme song is Melody by Emery. If you would like to support Critically Chaotic, please consider leaving a 5-star review and following us on whatever podcast listening platform you are currently using. You can find us at CritChaoticPod on Twitter with no underscores, where we post updates and retweet fan content. For any other platform you would like to see us on, please look in the description. We will see you next week for the continuing adventures of Box Anima. Have a great week, everyone. I am one of those people who does not know the conversions that well. <laughs> it's all tens. It's metric. <laughs> I yeah. thought you loved the metric system. <laughs> I love the metric system. I do. I just didn't know what they were. <laughs>